It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Wrestling Anonymous, please hold. Welcome to Wrestling Anonymous, the podcast that collects your calls from any kind of anything that has to do with professional wrestling and plays them publicly for the world to hear. The stories are all anonymous, so with anonymity comes reality. And that's the whole fun of the show. I am your host and curator, pro wrestler Colt Cabana. I do my best to edit the calls and put them together in order to make the best show possible for you to listen to every single week. If you're looking for more calls and more shows or just want to help and support the show, over on my Patreon each month, you get two extra bonus shows on the 1st and the 15th. Ways to help and participate? Rate and review on Apple and Spotify, tell some people on social media or even in person, or even tell someone to call in their fun story of wrestling interaction or scenario. Or what about you? Maybe you saw me doing a thing in Australia this week and it blew your mind. I, I wish, I really wish I could talk more about what I'm doing. Eventually I will. But some people saw me this week, came up to me, and it was a lot of fun for them. And maybe you were one of those people. And if it did happen to you, there's two very easy ways to share that story with the world. 87Cabana34 is the number. That's 872-222-6234. Or email a voice memo to 87Cabana34 at gmail.com. 87Cabana34 is the number. Give it a call and leave a message. After the beep. Wrestling Anonymous, please hold.
So the year is 2006. I am a preacher's kid. I have access to a church. I have keys. I am the janitor at the time of my father's church. So I am in charge of keeping it clean every week. My friends and I discover that Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, is doing like Christian youth group things. And we decide, hey, you have access to a church. We will bring the Million Dollar Man over, and he will talk to us. But we won't tell anyone, and it'll just be the three of us. And we'll have a great time. Con the Million Dollar Man into coming, talk about like his days in Japan, what it was like in the 80s and early 90s in the WWF, what it was like to be in the NWO, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going off without a hitch. Like we planned it, we have got it booked, and I guess Ted's people call the church one day and find out that like this isn't real, and he somehow gets a hold of me, and I talk to Ted. And he is just just very fatherly and gives me, like, a butt-chewing I've never gotten before, but not in, like, a really mean way. And he just goes, son, I'm really disappointed in you guys. We could have done something special at that church. Oh, no, you got the disappointed dad talk from the Million Dollar Man. Also, I love that you were ready to scam the million-dollar man, but still, as the preacher's kid that you are, you would only say butt-chewing on an anonymous podcast. For all the listeners, I'm sorry if this was a bait-and-switch, thinking you would hear a story about how million-dollar man Ted DiBiase scammed the church somehow. Huge plot twist. It was the church that was scamming the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. Actually, it wasn't really the church. It was the church's son. It makes... Total sense. I remember the time when Ted DiBiase and a lot of wrestlers, they found a new, oh, how can we say this, way to make a living by mixing the world of Jesus and the world of pro wrestling. And it was doing these sermons and selling wrestling almost to the church. There was a couple of leagues, and I feel Million Dollar Man was a part of it. I know George South is a part of it. And I'm not saying it's carny or scammy, but it's a new revenue stream for some of these wrestlers. And why not mix your two loves? That makes sense to me. And so there was a time where Ted DiBiase was very involved in these churches with wrestling, and he was traveling around, and he was doing sermons, and he was putting on shows. And to know that if you're in at the church somehow... And especially as a kid, so maybe you weren't like 100% down with it, but you loved wrestling, that you had this crazy in to one of the legends, one of the greats, and still is one of the greats. And, and Ted DiBiase is just trying to make a living. He's trying to tour around. He's, he's got to get the word out that he's doing these, so he's getting press releases or whatever it is to let churches know they could bring him in for a nominal fee. And I would do the exact same thing. If Barry Horowitz was touring the synagogues and I, the son of a rabbi, found out, and I'm sure my rabbi father couldn't give a crap about Barry Horowitz, but I knew, or maybe my dad was like, hey, you know that wrestler? He's he's touring the synagogues. I would do the same exact thing, try to reach out, try to get him to come to my synagogue so he could just sit down with me and my friends. This is such a fun story, and I, I get exactly where you were coming from. Three Hail Marys and a, an apology will do, and I forgive you.
2002. I am in my fourth year of a three-year Bachelor of Arts program at York University in Toronto. I am a horrible student. I am not interested in school. I am only in school because my Jewish parents were busting my balls to get a degree. And I have one exam that I need to pass very, very well in order to graduate. I was very scared that I wasn't going to do that. So I made the decision that most good, smart people would have made, and that is to cheat. I spent all night coming up with the most intricate cheat sheets you've ever seen on these small little pieces of paper. And so I had slept in. I was literally the last person in the auditorium for the exam. And it's like right out of a movie. And this is marketing. This is a class for marketing. And I walk in like a complete jabroni and just slump down on the table and uh, put my bag down and I pull out my cheat sheets and just slide them underneath the paper. And so they ask you to flip over the page and there was two questions and they were both for you to fill out an essay form, my worst way of doing anything in school. And the first question was something about an oil company that you needed to prepare some sort of business plan for. And then the nightmare turned into a dream at this point because the next question said, in the year 2003, WWF, WWE chairman Vince McMahon and his Canadian franchisor Carl DeMarco are looking to globally expand their company. Please provide a detailed analysis on what you would do to advise them into making WWE go globally. I could not believe with my eyes the question that was on that paper. And you may be thinking, that's, that's bullshit. How is that question on your exam? And that's because that one year in particular, the marketing class had brought in Canadian president of WWF, Carl DeMarco, to speak to the class. So there was one session that spoke about wrestling and WWF. I was the last person in the exam room. I had written over 25 pages, detailed reports on what the WWE should do from bring back Brett to bring back the warrior to fantasy booking matches. Everything that I could have ever dreamed of in a question was asked to me. And I am so thrilled to say that I passed university. It was a really solid exam. I can't even begin to tell you how much I, Cole Cabana, relate with this call. And I can tell and understand the excitement in which this caller tells this story. Me, someone who did not want to go to college, someone who was known for maybe getting some extra help on college exams because I hated studying or even going to school. Someone who was forced to go to college by my parents because I wanted to be a pro wrestler and I was obsessed with pro wrestling. So I only went to appease my parents to get that degree. And with that obsession of pro wrestling was the knowledge that that's all I cared about. And the only reason that I took business, just like this person, with an emphasis on marketing. I have a business marketing degree from Western Michigan University. Only because I said to myself, well, I'm going to be a wrestler eventually. I can't get a degree for professional wrestling. What's the next best thing? Well, business, I guess, because there's a business of wrestling. And every single thing I did in university was based off of wrestling. Everything. 
I thought to myself, well, if I'm taking this class and I want to build a business, I would build a wrestling show. I would make it a wrestling empire. How do I market for wrestling? It was, it was all based on that. And in my fantasy world, I get this question. And this motherfucker, this lucky motherfucker who I feel is so akin to me, and I do know who this caller is, so it's even more fun that I can relate to him so much, got the dream question. It really is. In no world would this ever happen. And it made me so happy to listen to because I feel I would have done just as good. And I feel that these professors would have been like, I've taught them something. I'm a great professor. But it's like, no, we all hate this. We love wrestling and years of reading the dirt sheets and watching wrestling and going through the magazines and finding the internet and being in AOL chat rooms. That's what made me pass this test. That's what made me write 27 pages in essay form detailing how smart I am, not in business, but in wrestling, because we're all so friggin' obsessed with wrestling, especially in that era, especially at that age. And it really makes me nostalgic and it really makes me jealous. I'm honest, I have a lot of jealousy because I went to college, I have a marketing degree, I took the bullshit tests, I sucked at school. And I love that the thing we obsess about, we can use in school context and it can make us look smart. We're all smart, we are. We just all happen to be smart about wrestling and nothing else. Well, some of you are probably very educated, but in this group, we know so much about wrestling, and I'm so glad it could translate to something else in your life. Wrestling Anonymous, please hold for sponsors. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Two of my brothers, a cousin, and our friends went to WWE Night of Champions 2009 in Philadelphia. The group's ages ranged from 17 to 21, and we all went to the show high. During the show, in the middle of a match, my little brother and cousin, who are both 17, returned to our seats without sitting down, and my brother asked me for the keys to the car. I told him, no, you're not going to be able to get back in, and he said he'll figure it out. And I asked him why he needs the keys. 
And he goes, no time to explain. Just give me the effing keys. Trust me. I didn't trust him. But at that point in time, I was starting to get embarrassed. With my brother making a scene by arguing and standing up and blocking people's view of an ongoing match. So I said, screw it, and I gave him the keys. As the show's going on, I'm very concerned at this point in time while my brother's out for a variety of reasons, especially because I had no idea what kind of shady shenanigans uh, he was up to. And I needed my car to be able to get back after the show to the most magical place of Long Island, New York. After what felt like the longest 30, maybe 40 minutes, little bro and cousin come back, and I can breathe a sigh of relief. I asked them where they were and what they were doing, and my brother explained to me that he saw a wrestler in the arena elevator. He knew this wrestler liked to smoke weed and told him he had a blunt in the car and asked if he wanted to smoke. The wrestler agreed, and somehow my brother and my cousin got high with a WWE superstar in my car in the parking lot of what was then either the Wells Fargo or Wachovia Center, and then figured out how to make his way back into the building. Listen, I don't encourage doing drugs. I think everybody knows that about me. But this might be the perfect story. I know I said being a college student and having to take a test on fantasy booking the WWF might be the perfect story, but I've changed my mind. This is the story. These are the stories that I want called in. This is so good. And I hate to tell you, listener, that he did say who it was, and I did edit it out. And maybe if you subscribe to the Patreon, I'll tell you in a message. But everything about this screams a wrestling anonymous call. I could picture the actual wrestler being like, don't worry, I will make sure we take you right through security. I'm sure they went right through the back door where the wrestlers were. He probably took them right through the backstage area and led them right back to their seats because it was that important that he get to smoke this weed. Not that important. As a wrestler, I could tell you it's very easy to be like, come on, I'll, I'll get you back in. So the wrestler knew the ease of which it was to get these fans back outside. The wrestler in the elevator... It all makes sense when you told me who the wrestler is. He's just roaming around the arena. He really doesn't care. And you know that the wrestlers like to smoke weed. They do. A lot of them do. I, I don't. Never have. Never smoked weed in my life. I'm sorry if I've let you down. I'm sorry if I wouldn't accept your invitation to your car and then get you back in. But I love the story about it. Thank you for the perfect scenario. And it would only be better if you then went and took a test afterwards on fantasy booking professional wrestling at a university. 2011, the Canadian Maritimes and uh, a group coming from Ontario called CWI was coming through. And on the poster, they had a host of great names. Scott Steiner was there, Road Dog, Billy Gunn, X-Pac, Bruce Beefcake, I believe, was there, as well as one of the Nasty Boys, if not both of them. Being a lifelong wrestling fan, uh, but not one to have gone to many indie shows at the time, I decided it was uh, time to go. This coincided with me also discovering Twitter. So my very first day on Twitter, of course, as a wrestling fan, I added every wrestler that I could think of. And, of course, started randomly messaging them or tweeting them, so to speak. First guy to ever to get back to me, actually, was Road Dog. Yeah, very pleasant, quick conversation. I also owned a shoe repair in, uh, in uh, Bedford, Nova Scotia. I just randomly threw out the idea, hey, Road Dog, do you need your gear worked on or your wrestling boots fixed? To my surprise, he replies, I don't, but Billy does. Come on down to the show. Uh, the show that we were going to meet up with was in Sackville, Nova Scotia. So I met up with them, found myself in the middle of the locker room with a whole bunch of uh, guys I grew up watching. And these guys were uh, as awesome as pie to me. Then I got to actually watch the show for free. After the show, we met up at the hotel so I could grab their gear. Heading down to the lobby, 
they had told me they were at uh, Montana's with this being Road Dog and uh, Billy Gunn having dinner. So I walk into the restaurant. There they are at the in a booth. Road Dog weighs me down, says, come sit with us. Also, that peeks around the corner that's sitting with them around the booth was Scott Steiner. And you can imagine how happy he would have been to see a Mark walking toward them or a fan of, of any kind when they were trying to have dinner. But he scooched over. I sat beside him while they finished up their dinner, and we just talked about life for about five, ten minutes. Then the adventure began, or the second part of the adventure began, when we got in the car and Scott Steiner was driving. It was probably a three-minute drive. If you've ever driven with this man, it's ridiculous. The man, <laughs> he was giggling the whole time, and I think as soon as he turned the ignition on, the pedal was to the metal. To this day, I'm still friends with uh, with Road Dog. I think we talk weekly. All right, there's a lot going on in this call. There was, and that's the fun of this show is sometimes there's a call with not necessarily an overarching story, which is the best way to call on a call. Have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But sometimes there's just so much happening that all of these nuggets of information all make for a great scenario. Not always, but this happened to be one of them. One thing I'll say is I'll usually do my best to edit it out when a fan calls themselves a mark. It was hard to edit on this one, so I couldn't. And it's something people do a lot. And it's a word that I really just don't like. So I try to get rid of it. I couldn't on this one. I don't like it. It's kind of derogatory. I know you're calling yourself it, but to me, it's kind of derogatory. Not my favorite word. You also asked a question or said, if any of you have ever driven with Scott Steiner. No, nobody's ever driven with Scott Steiner. A very small percentage of these listeners have driven. Maybe if Petey Williams is listening to this, he's the only one who would go, oh yeah, I have, and it's crazy. The other thing I was going to note is if you have a profession or a trade in which it could help a pro wrestler... They will always take you up on it. We love free stuff. And we know that we do a job where people are fans of ours. So for me, it's not necessarily like the con, like I'm going to con this guy into giving me a free thing or whatever. It's almost the appreciation of like, wow, you like me and you do something that's cool that can help me. I think what you do is great. I do think it's like a double appreciation. And that's why it wasn't surprising to me that he took you up on that or wanted to help his friend Billy fix his boots or whatever it might be. So as a wrestler, it, it doesn't really seem weird to me. I know it might seem weird as a fan, but I'm telling you from the wrestler's perspective, that did make sense to me. If you're a normal adult, I feel it could take you a long way in befriending wrestlers. If that's something you're looking to do, we're always looking for normalcy. In a job that's so crazy and so fast and very hectic, normalcy in a fan or a supporter is like a great cool-off, brings us down, checks us in reality, helps us come down from the high, I feel, of performing and the whole thing of pro wrestling. I'm an exchange student from Scotland, and I'm currently living in Northern California. So recently in my time here, I was down for PWG's Battle of Los Angeles, um, I was very nervous. It was my first PWG show and it was my first wrestling show in over two years because of the pandemic. In line, I, I was kind of too nervous to speak to anyone. And this man called Alex, he went of his way to speak to me and he basically said to me, he was like, you're an exchange student. You are, it's your first time in America. It is your first time at a PWG show and it's your first time in LA. I've got you. 
And just for the rest of the day, he just was so kind to me. He made sure that I met people. He made sure that I met wrestlers. Uh, he introduced me to all of his friends. We like had lunch. We had food together. Uh, we sat together during the show. He made sure I got good seats. He like paid for like all my dinner, all my drinks. Like he paid for merch as well. Like he just went out of his way to make sure that I had the best time. And to be honest, I did. And it really reminded me why I loved wrestling. And it really reminded me why I loved going to wrestling shows. I kept in the name Alex. And hopefully next time you're in line at PWG, I assume everybody knows this Alex guy. And I'm not tapped, I'm not as tapped into that scene as I would like to anymore. I think I've kind of aged out of it a little bit, sadly. Not my choice. But in my youth at Ring of Honor, there was a fan, and still is a fan, named Greg H. And Greg H was very wealthy. And Greg H took care of everybody. And he was and is the best. He threw parties. He took care of get-togethers. He took care of meals. He took care of the wrestlers. At that time, we were all in our mid-20s. No one was getting paid that well. Greg H. looked after all of us. And then, as somebody who goes to Japan as a foreigner, when the Japanese quote-unquote sponsors or the wrestlers find you a sponsor or the wrestlers even take care of you, buy your meals, show you around, make sure you have a good time, it's the best. I will. It makes my heart feel so good. I never forget these things. So for Alex to do this for this anonymous caller, as much as this caller was saying how much he appreciated it, I appreciated it even more. This made me feel so good as a wrestling fan, as a wrestler, as somebody in the community, and I didn't even do anything. I just listened to this call. Alex is the one that did something, but Alex is representing people, a group. Alex, you're you're a good person. Somebody knows Alex, let him know that Colt thinks you're a great person. And if you need anything, I'm happy to set up anything to help you help others. Caller, I'm glad you had that experience. I want you to know that America is great. American wrestling fans can be great. And we do have great people and great representation. And this call made me smile and made me feel so good. Maybe even more than you. I'm sure that's not the truth. Wrestling Anonymous, please hold for sponsors. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back 
back in early 2000, there was a wrestling show that uh, I happened to be the promoter of. The show was in Winnipeg, Canada. Fortunately, uh, the show was booked with a couple of top stars. One of them, his name was Cole Cabana. The other one was the Monster Abyss. They uh, both flew in from their respective towns. And uh, unfortunately, as they uh, got to the border, Cole Cabana decided to go into a long-winded rant with the uh, border security guard talking about how he's uh, known me, the promoter, for a long time, and we went to school together in Michigan. And uh, unfortunately, uh, that story was not true, and uh, he was denied from being able to cross into the great uh, country of Canada. Uh, in terms of Abyss, same problem. Didn't uh, tell the truth as to why he came across the border to, uh, to enter, and uh, it uh, ended up with him not being able to enter. So... What uh, should have been a show with two amazing stars like Cole Cabana and the Monster Abyss turned out to be a main event hardcore match with fluorescent light tubes and craziness that uh, the two people in the main event had never done before. And uh, it was uh, quite the battle. I truly believe that uh, the show would have been amazing had Cole Cabana and Abyss been able to get across the border. It was an unfortunate situation, and uh, but I'm glad to see that uh, since... The early 2000s, uh, both uh, both men have uh, accomplished great feats in the sport of professional wrestling. The reason why I'm flagged in Canada for the past 15 years is this very single call. And I, I held a, a big grudge against this actual caller for a long time. He did say in the call that, you know, we decided to lie at the border, which of course we did, which the promoter tells you to because nobody wants to pay for that American visa coming over. I have since relinquished that grudge that I've held, but yet haven't talked to this guy in years. So it's fun for me that he listens and then even called up a, a message. I also, I'm not encouraging people to call up their Cole Cabana stories. I know it's easy because it is my podcast, but that's not what I'm looking for. But th this is one of my stories mixed in with a caller who's calling in the story. The time I did get kicked out of Canada. Actually, it was the second time I got kicked out of Canada. And it's still on my record today. I still have to announce myself when I come into Canada. I get sent to customs. I have to give them a sheet and a poster and show them why I'm wrestling and where I'm wrestling. I have to declare my merchandise that I'm selling. And it's a big hassle. But it's a hassle because it comes with a story. And that's the fun of life. And that's the fun of this journey that I've had in all of these wonderful years of wrestling. So we hear the flip side, the promoter calling in, having his whole show ruined in this crazy world turning. Because of me, I might have gotten two guys hurt who had never done hardcore wrestling. What if that was their story? They're calling in the next week going, I went to the hospital because I had to wrestle in this match because Colt Cabana and Abyss lied at the border and got kicked out of a show they were supposed to headline. You never know where these calls can come from. They can come from everywhere including Canada. Today seems to be a very heavy Canada call-in day. The Crusher. The person that made Milwaukee famous, I think they said. Crusher liked his beer. Because of the unfortunate death of a wrestler, he became tag team champions with Red Bastine and came through our city. I saw the advertisements where I knew they were coming through, and... Unfortunately, there was a beer strike on, and I know that the wrestlers usually stop maybe before or after to get beer, and 
Mm, well, <laughs> it wasn't the case. They must have known that there was a strike on because in the dressing room they were complaining. In anticipation of this, I contacted a friend of mine and asked him to bring two six-packs of canned beer that he had and meet me at, at a certain entrance. I walked around some pictures and I waited for him. When I saw him come, I convinced the usher to open the door and let him in. And he gave me, the, gave me a, <laughs> a box with the two in there. And I proceeded to go into the dressing room. The main event was over and Crusher and that came back and he waved to me and, you know, whatever. And I was just settling up my pictures and I said, oh, Crusher, you're thirsty, eh? Bet you want a beer. And he said, oh, yeah, in his crackly voice. And I opened the box up. I said, here. And it was nice and cold, too. And the beer went around and there was one six-pack that wasn't open and Crusher just sort of put it under his stair, under his <laughs> where he was sitting and said, that's mine. He thanked me tremendously and I felt pretty good. And the Crusher came two or three times after that. And every time he came, hi, how are you? You know, developed a good friendship with him. So it's one thing I learned. <laughs> you want to endeavor yourself to a wrestler, get to know what they're like and do something like I did. I mean, what a story befriending the crusher now deceased this man has been around so long that he was befriending the legendary crusher by buying him beers also wrestling grandpa has been around so long and this is sorry this is i don't mean to make that sound bad but i don't i didn't even know there was such thing as a beer strike i mean prohibition i think that was in the 30s or 40s so i know it wasn't that but a beer strike imagine being so smart to know there was a beer strike and the fucking crusher comes and the promoter doesn't do it, the ref doesn't do it, but the little program kid is smart enough to know to bring crusher beers. Of course that's what crusher wanted. These stories are great. Wrestling grandpa, keep them coming. I can't believe you haven't ran out of stories yet. And I still have some more from the wrestling grandpa. So cool to be around in those times to picture myself in that locker room with those guys all drinking beer after their matches. Let's be honest, drinking beer before their matches. Let's be more honest, probably during their matches or right as they're going outside the curtain. Crusher was a legendary wrestler. If you don't know who he was, look him up. And if you do look him up, you will see he looks exactly like a man who loves a good beer or two or six. Wrestling Anonymous, please hold for the credits. Thank you to you for listening to this week's episode of Wrestling Anonymous. The show is usually edited and produced by myself in my studio apartment in Chicago, Illinois. Today, actually tonight, it was from the same 18th floor of my Australian hotel that I've been at for a couple of weeks. Still a great view of the city all, while the sun hits my balcony perfectly like clockwork at 1 p.m. every single day. Music is by Matt Kuhn Music on Twitter. Cover art is by Donna619 on Instagram. And voiceover work is by at Sarah Joy Shockey. I'm also on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. It's all at Cole Cabana. Listen to all of the past Art of Wrestling archives for free on the Art of Wrestling podcast feed or listen to them ad-free over at patreon.com slash Cole Cabana. 
Those are on the $4 tier. At the $5 tier is where you get those bonus episodes on the 1st and the 15th of the month. The next one drops February 15th. The $10 tier is where you also get a vinyl sticker every month. I will personally write out that envelope, and I will give you a nickname, and I will ship that out. And at the $20 tier, you get all of that and an autographed swear word from me each month. These are great ways to support the show. Since I am in Australia, everything that was for January will be shipped out when I get home late February. The bonus calls on the Patreon are are usually done for my subscribers of Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Colt Cabana. Twitch is free, but you do get certain perks as a subscriber. T-shirts and custom videos are done over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Colt Cabana. All other merchandise is done by me, ColtMerch.com. Information on me and upcoming shows are at ColtCabana.com. And if you want to know what Johnny Hungy and Evil Uno are up to over at the Dark Order with AEW, check them out on TV, on TBS and TNT every single Wednesday and Friday, or on YouTube at Monday and Tuesday. Information is at AllEliteWrestling.com. 87 Cabana 34 is the number. That's 872-222-6234, or send a voice memo to 87Cabana34 at gmail.com. The show, it only works if you give it a call. So give it a call, please. And thanks. Thank you for calling. Goodbye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.